Hello world, welcome to another episode of the Deep Dive with Eyal Shai. And Steph Lepp is back in the studio. Hi. <laughs> back and better than ever. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for having me back again. Have you had guests back for multiple? Yeah, rounds? I have. Yeah, um, I imagine I'm not yes. the first. Yeah. Not the first one, but uh, yeah, it's not it's not common. I imagine that as oh, time goes I'm on, honored. it's going to happen more and more yeah. because I loved all my guests and uh, I wish them to come back. So, <laughs> well, yeah. I'm honored to be um, back. Nice. Yeah. Great to have you. And uh, today you wanted to present yet another concept and it also involves a kind maybe of a... Uh, a frame of thought. So I'd love for you to go ahead and present it in your own words and see what happens. Yeah. So the idea that we're going to talk about today is integration. And I think I'm just going to do the same thing as last time where I just kind of lay it out for a few minutes. Um, go for it. Yeah. And then let you react. Okay. So yeah. So hi, everyone. I'm Stephanie Lepp. I'm the executive director at the Institute for Cultural Evolution, uh, which is an organization devoted to evolving consciousness and culture in America in order to help our country transcend polarization. And the work that we do at the Institute for Cultural Evolution will become more clear <laughs> as I share these ideas about integration. So, yeah, so here we go. So I think, I think most Americans and really most people Are, are painfully aware of the extent to which at least our country and many democracies around the world are, are bitterly divided, right? We're divided right? in the U.S. We're divided over COVID, climate, abortion, guns, you know, seemingly every important issue we face as a nation. And this division is a problem because uh, to, to quote um, Abraham Lincoln, a house divided against itself cannot stand. Right? We cannot address COVID and climate and our most important issues if we're so staunchly on one side or the other side that we fail to integrate the kernels of insight mm. we're all holding. Right? We can't address COVID, for example, if we don't integrate the perspectives of public health and the economy. Right? So how right. might we redraw the line so that public health and the economy, lives and livelihoods are on the same side? Right. How, how might we transcend polarization through integration? So that's the question that we're going to explore together. And I, I've been experimenting with various ways of integrating different perspectives. And I was thinking that for this conversation, I would share two of them with you. So, so how about I introduce the first one um, and, then, and then we can talk about it. Yeah, let's do it. Okay, let's see. okay, so this is it is kind of visual, but I will just explain it. So the first way that I've been experimenting with integration uses the tool of Venn diagrams. So I take an issue, I identify different perspectives on that issue, I steel man those different perspectives, which is the opposite of straw manning. So instead of representing the weakest version of that perspective, I represent the strongest or steel version of that perspective, and then I integrate those steel man perspectives into a Venn diagram. And in the center, I write, we can be here, right? We can hold these different perspectives simultaneously. I did not invent this use of Venn diagrams. I just found a couple of them floating around the internet. And I realized that they are a simple but powerful tool for perspective integration. So what does this actually look like in practice? So I'm just going to give you a simple example you can imagine in your mind. So imagine, okay, Venn diagram, three circles at the top is written Michael Jackson. Okay. This is a Venn diagram about Michael Jackson. One of the circles says, you know, spectacular entertainer, second circle, perpetrator of sexual abuse, third circle, victim of abuse, right? None of them mm -hmm. cancel each other out. We can, we can hold them all together at the center. We can be here, right? We can listen to his music and love his music while appreciating that he was, you know, kind of a creep. And maybe the fact that he was, you know, the victim of abuse is part of what enabled him to be such a spectacular entertainer and perhaps what prompted his own perpetration of abuse, right? So anyway, so we can be here. So now if we were to take a more, uh, like a, a more explicitly political issue, so let's take COVID, 
And we're going to do this very crudely. We're going to give ourselves four circles maximum, two circles on the left, two circles on the right. So the first circle on the left would be life is precious. I think I think most of us can get on board with life being precious and deserving of being protected from harm. Okay, so that's the first mm-hmm. circle on the left. So first circle on the right, bodily autonomy is the foundation of freedom. Right? Yes, again, we, we need some degree of autonomy over our bodies and what we put into our bodies, like vaccines, in order to be meaningfully free. Okay, so the second circle on mm. the left, shared facts are vital to democracy. Right? Shared facts and science in general are a, are, are a basis upon which we govern ourselves. And then the second circle on the right would be economic devastation also harms lives, right? If, if mm. life is precious and we want to protect it, let's think about it not just physiologically, but also economically. And then at the center, we can be here, right? We can, we can care about protecting lives while caring about sovereignty over our bodies, while caring about respect for science, while caring about protecting livelihoods. Okay, so now I'm gonna I'm gonna take maybe the most the most divisive issue, uh, abortion. Uh, yeah, we're gonna go there. I'm gonna I'm gonna explain this one, and then we can kind of talk a little bit about <laughs> these. So, um, okay, so this time we're gonna start on the right. So, abortion first circle on the right. Life is precious. You know that's interesting. That's what the left brought to the table on COVID, and now the right mm-hmm. is bringing it on abortion. First circle on the left. Bodily autonomy is the foundation of freedom. Interesting again, right? That came from the right on COVID and now it's coming from the left on abortion, right? So it looks like we have some values in common. Uh, Second circle on the right, over time, a fetus becomes more human. Uh, Yeah, over time, the moral calculus of abortion changes because we're dealing less with a potential life and more with a real viable life. All right, so then second circle on the left, humans should be cared for throughout their lives, right? Yeah, also true. Like if life is precious, let's care about it, not just while it's in the womb, but over the course of its entire lifetime and provide that life with housing and healthcare and the resources that a human life needs, right? And at the center, then we can be here. We can care about protecting lives while caring about sovereignty over our bodies, while acknowledging that where we are in the trajectory of a pregnancy matters, while caring about humans from womb to tomb. So I call these Venn diagrams steel vens, like for steel men. This is a very cheesy name. And if you come up with a better name, I'd love to hear it. <laughs> <laughs> and I've made these Venn diagrams for these steel vens for various issues. You know, Michael Jackson, COVID, abortion, guns, gender, free speech, Joe Rogan, uh, more. You know, and they're 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 a crude way to practice integration because they're they're kind of both sidesist. You know, it's like two circles on the right, two circles on the left. But I would say the key word here is practice. You can think of steel vents as training wheels for practicing integration, training wheels for you know for letting go of the extremes, like no abortion under any circumstances or vaccines mandates for everybody. Like we can let go of the extremes and then integrate what's left integrate the the the, the steel you know per, articulations of all the perspectives St- integrate the strongest articulations of what we're all bringing to the table and ideally someday you, you know we or at least our kids won't need steel vets anymore because the, the we can be here at the center will be intuitive right we, we will be here and so yeah, so with that, I will. I hope you were able to imagine all of that in your mind, but I'll just pause here and, um, yeah, and we can talk about this first tool for integration. Yeah, I, I believe you shared uh, a Twitter thread with me, yes. which I can share with listeners as well. Um, yeah, I really liked going through that thread. I do think that's uh, the key, basically, in trying to reintegrate, you know, even if you don't, even if not the level of society, right? This would solve problems at the interpersonal level with those friends and family. Maybe we can go with uh, friends through vens. I don't know. Oh my God, I love that. <laughs> friends through vens. <laughs> um, A new tool for um, marriage counseling. Yeah. 
totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, you know, I've I've been trying to think for the longest time about these topics, about what makes people not only disagree with one another, but you know, dig in their heels and like not budge and not even give an inch of credit to the other yeah. side, lest they be, you know, proven wrong or something like that. And there's a very strong human tendency of um, us versus them that plays there. You know this from your work in, around, in and around social media as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I think that at the core of this is possibly the fact that we absolutely hate being in a position where we're not sure, right? I think mm -hmm. it stems from there because if you, uh, like the existing in the overlapping part of the Venn diagram, while it's, you're in the same boat with more people because you can come to appreciate the various uh, views of other people. It's also the least comfortable, right? It's the, it's the place with the, least answers sometimes no answers so you know in retrospect covid for me it wasn't retrospect i must say that i understood this after the you know i think when they rolled out the vaccine like the first time and i i kind of did a reassessment of things and then i, re I realized there is there was never and there is not going to be a good response to COVID, it's it's simply impossible. Um, I think Sam Harris talked about recently uh, throughout COVID. I was I was very much uh, no, not very much for the most part. I agreed with him that, but I definitely agree with him that it was always a ship that's not going to be perfectly navigable, uh, terrain that's not going to be perfectly navigable, and you know the best solutions you could come up with are educated guesses. Um, and this is really uncomfortable for people. So first of all, I, I wonder if you have any insight toward why that is, is that, um, education or, but I think at, at the, at the root of the problem is just our hate for n not knowing what to do, because mm -hmm. if we meet at the center of one of these diagrams, then the one thing we gain is civility with the so-called other side, which is now not the other side, but yeah. somebody who's just as confused as as us, right? Yeah. I mean, I agree. Yes, our 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 discomfort with uncertainty is it, it is a major we can say challenge to to understanding and relating to the to to reality <laughs> our, our our desire to be certain sometimes um overpowers uh uh a way of no, a way of knowing we could even say that is less certain but more true um but i but i do think that in this context i don't know I don't, I don't actually think this is less certain. I think it's just more nuanced. It, it, it might feel less certain because the options that have been presented have been either or, right? And if the, and if mm. the options have been either pro-choice or anti-abortion, right? Those are the two. And, and, if, and if what I'm presenting here is neither of those two options, then the experience might see, it's like, oh, well, then I'm not certain. Then I don't know what, what, uh, position I have but th this but this is actually a new position it is a position and it and it is I I feel like you could have certainty about it it's just none it's just not any of the options that have been presented historically and so it might feel like you're choosing uncertainty or you're choosing some kind of no man's land or you're choosing a perspective that doesn't exist or have a name or but but I would I would call it an integral position I would call it an integral perspective and I don't think it's necessarily less certain. I just think it's more integrated. Hmm. Well, I'm thinking in the case of abortion, for example, like the way mm -hmm. I see it, if we, if, if, you know, whatever side you're coming from and you meet somebody in the, at the center of this and you're both saying basically, well, first of all, you give legitimacy to the claims of the other person. You say, I hear you and I understand. And that's not something that I, 
that I want to undermine or like prove you completely wrong because I'm giving you this much ground. You're still left with this spectrum, right? Of that comes from like on one end is this zygote, which is not a person, um, at least, you know, some people would say this, um, and then on the other end of the spectrum is a is a live baby, which is definitely human. How do you negotiate what term of the of the pregnancy is actually like? How do you do that? Because I think for a lot of people, it's yeah. mortifying to think that because they gave the first inch to the yeah. other side, now this yeah. other side is going to you know it's like. It's yeah. like the saying is like, you give me one finger, I want the whole hand. Then yeah, I totally. think that kind of what motivates people to possibly yeah. not, not do it. Now, I'm not yeah. saying this is pushback against your framing. I'm just trying to think this through. Oh, totally. And kind of, no, and, and, you're, yeah. and you're kind of getting into something we'll get into with the next tool for integration. But I will answer this question. But before I answer it, um, what you're kind of making me realize is that we kind of need a name for this new position. Mm-hmm. And because maybe pro, pro-choice pro and anti-abortion are, are somewhat oh, limited. Right. I can be pro-choice and also acknowledge that there is a point at which abortion is, I, 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 I would actually probably, dis, you know, late in the third, there is a point at which I might decide that it does make sense to make abortion illegal. After 30, mm-hmm. I don't know how many weeks, I don't have this worked out, but, and I would still consider myself pro-choice, but I'm a nuanced right. pro-choice or I'm a, I don't know what, I mean, I'm an, it depends. I'm an under what circumstances I'm a, mm. you know, and, and I come from pro-choice, but yeah, what you're, what you're kind of making me realize is that this, these new integrated positions kind of need a name or need an identity or need, you know, so mm. that, so that they can be identified with, but, but a more, the more, the, the more kind of, um, I guess, specific answer to your question, because you're asking, so the Institute for Cultural Evolution wrote a really beautiful policy proposal about abortion and the way that um, we, and I was not there at the time, so I'll just say the way that they articulated it was, um, so life really is a miracle. Life gives us trimesters and trimesters are (laughs) kind of amazing. And well, well, just to take a step back before I get to trimesters, what makes abortion challenging is that we must contend with the rights of three different constituencies, right? There are, there's the woman, there's the mm-hmm. fetus, which over time becomes more of a human being. And that's what I appreciate about the framing over time. A fetus becomes more human. We don't have to decide when life begins. It says nothing about life beginning at conception. All we have to agree on, which I think most people can agree on is that, yeah, over time, a fetus becomes more human. So there's the rights of the woman, there's the rights of the fetus, which over time become like the a fetus becomes more kind of justifiably able to claim a right to life. Um, and then there's the rights of the states, right? Because con- abortion is not is not mentioned in the con- it's not a constitutional right. This is why Ruth Bader right. Ginsburg her- herself had had misgivings about Roe, is because it, it, you know it sh- that sh- that decision should be le- the governance of abortion really should be left to the states. Uh, and so, and so, you know, we ca- we have a we have an opportunity here to move. We could say from defending the rights of just one, or even two constituencies, you know, just the fetus or just the woman, to acknowledging that the rights of all three constituencies—women, fetuses, and states—have rights that deserve to be honored. So then, the question is: Okay, under what circumstances do we honor the rights of which constituency? When do we prioritize? the rights of the woman over the fetus or the fetus over the state, you know, so that's where the trimesters come in. And this, this would just be a place to start, but the way that the Institute articulated it is okay. First trimester fetus is least viable. Let's prioritize the rights of the woman constitutional right to abortion in the first trimester, third trimester. That's when the fetus is most viable. Let's prioritize the rights of the fetus constitutional ban on abortion Second trimester, viability is a question, is a moving target. Who, let's just leave that one up to the states. Let's prioritize the rights of the states. And that would just be a place to begin. That's not necessarily the ultimate place that American democracy evolves to, but that would be a place to begin 
that, that theoretically the largest ideological diversity of Americans would be able to get on board with. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting idea. Like I don't have a, a good idea of how it would actually play out if, if, if tried, um, personally, you know, I'm just probably used to like tackling this from the perspective of, of the individual. And, and I think that it, it will shed light about, um, ultimately this kind of, uh, societal issues. So I'm trying to think about the benefits of integration in one person's life. And I think the, and I think this, the same thing can be seen there. So people, even before they go on to hate another group for not agreeing with them, with them or something like that, even before it gets to this like societal level, I think it's very much happening within one's own soul because people there too don't really like to face uncertainty and are very scared of treading unknown territory and i'm thinking that integration on the individual level could benefit really everyone because you get to experiment and say i don't know and this path is again not easier because you face an uncertain future but ultimately you stand to actually learn stuff about the world and about yeah. yourself because you know you do allow for um unknown things to to become apparent so mm -hmm. uh and i'm going to take it back to like the the societal level in a moment but i will say that for example um the issue is if you if you're in the in the territory where you agree with both extremes and you try to see things for what they are, you're bound to make decisions which you yourself know can be considered many things, but not optimal because you, you're never going to have all the information. And so you do your, you go with your best guess and you get results and you decide if these were good results how did it feel for you if this is um you know if if you need to tweak something if you need to give more weight to one of the to one of the two or three or four um fractions of this and publicly it's it's not only going to it it just doesn't have this air of expertise and we like and a facade mm. of we know what we're doing yeah, right because as a society it's like for everybody to be like which would have been better for example during covid oh, it for sure would have been sure. better if if everybody said it's like we're in this we're together doing our best. right it, yeah. Right. We're we're on a boat that right now we don't know if it's going to sink or float and we're going to do our best and we need everybody to, you know, have yeah. grit and have resilience and have uh, ingenuity and we need mm -hmm. to work together. Mm -hmm. um, and I think if you take it into the world of politics, then... I think that really drives a, a quite a, a big nail into the the coffin of the viability <laughs> of the of the actual good approach because politicians you know what are they they have to say that they know what the correct action is which is exactly not what we need so I think that's that's a mm -hmm. that, that would be a huge problem wouldn't it Mhm mm yeah. And, and you, so I just want to respond to your, the fact that you're bringing up the individual, which I love the individual and the collective. So when, when, when the, when the mission statement of the Institute for Cultural Evolution says, you know, we work to evolve consciousness and culture in America, why consciousness and culture? The way that the Institute thinks about that is consciousness is at the individual level and culture is at the collective level. So we could say we're, we're, we're working to, you know, integrate the perspectives of different worldviews or expand the scope of what we're able to value at the individual level, i.e. consciousness, and at the collective level, i.e. culture. Mm. And so both of those levels are definitely at play. Um, and then just to, you, you said you weren't 
totally sure how this would play play out. This kind of you know pol- integral policy proposal, let's let's call it. Um, but I w- and and yeah, we don't know. We've never tried something like that. But but I, I I guess I could just say if you come from the perspective that most of us are holding kernels of insight that are worth integrating, most of us are holding a piece of the puzzle, some partial truth. That if you just come from that perspective you are likely to end up with something that will resonate with most people, right? Because you've done the work of integrating whatever kernel of insight they're holding. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. You know, and this time goes on with us speaking about like, I'm trying to, because obviously it's like, it it should be obvious to anybody listening that uh, I'm a hundred percent with you and I'm just trying to kind of explore the reasons why we're not there. And so, you know, it uh, feels yeah. natural. <laughs> it feels natural to me to, to find the Venn diagram that's around. That's like the meta <laughs> Venn diagram that yeah. makes people where yeah. they could, where they could meet and see that. And I think one side would be, um, yeah, one side would be, for example, it's like, objectively less comfortable to be in the middle of in the center of a venn diagram right so that's one side and then what would be the the other side the other side would be something like oh it's it's the right thing to do though or or the other side is i actually don't feel like i totally fit in one tribe anyway the other side is i already feel Mm -hmm. a little bit politically homeless the other side is i'm not into the extremes of my tribe the other side mm. is like, wait, I see their point too. And I actually think that that's the majority. I think the majority of people, and I don't have data to back this up at all, but the, the majority of people do not just 100% fully entirely associate with the caricatures of their tribe. Right. So, but, but, the, but to your initial, my, what I kind of gleaned initially from this, it's like this, this new tribe needs a name it needs an identity if we're gonna ask people to jump ship we have to give them a ship to jump to what is this meta tribe post tribe pan tribe integral tribe you know it's kind of, it's like it's kind of purple <laughs> and there's a lot of cultural <laughs> influencers who i would put in this category it's like they were on the left they were canceled by the left but they're not on the right what are they they're kind of purple it's andrew yang it's van jones barry weiss glenn lowry i would even put joe Sam rogan Harris, in this category yeah. You know, and it's been called different things. It's the heterodox, it's the intellectual dark, but it's different ways of kind of trying to do a little more synthesis, not the thesis, not the antithesis, but the synthesis. But it's it doesn't. So I think I think it's emerging. I think it's definitely emerging. Uh, but yeah, part of part of part of what would make it more comfortable to be at the center, let's say, is having it have a name, an identity, something to affiliate. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. You, you know, I, I can't come up with any like catchy or concise name for it. The, the only thing <laughs> is like the people who are willing to try or that who are refusing to, yeah, refusing to do the other yeah. thing. <laughs> or, or maybe it's or like the sides. meta version of the thing that you're in. Like you can stay, you can kind of stay in your tribe. You're just choosing to be synthesis oriented you know you can yeah i think uh, yeah or yeah yeah i I was just gonna (laughs) say i think that um you know i mentioned this on the podcast before i think i even it's very likely that i did in our last conversation but Mm. at at some point in in my life it, it became very clear that being on good terms with people and, you know, some people are potentially your best friends. Some people are only, um, you know, the, the potential for the best relationship with them because of incompatibilities and in interests and other such things. Some people like the best version of your um, relationship is going to be a cold piece, kind of like uh, you're all right. You know, like yeah. I want the best for you, yeah. but we don't like have a lot of Like the Thanksgiving dinner table. <laughs> don't talk about that. <laughs> right. And then we'll get along. Um, yeah, never. Yeah. I've never been. I've never been to one, but uh, I'll take your word for it. <laughs> um, and the the, the Passover t- the seder. Yeah, 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 yeah. Don't oh, talk about politics, and then we'll all be fine. Oh, that's right. That's right. 
Um, so it's for, for me, it became very clear that human relationship should always come before fig before the truth, right? With like a big the capital the, uh, and we it's it's interesting because because there is objectively a tension there. We we all want to see or to know the truth, and there is an inherent um, traction that that gets hold of us and we want to be attracted to that um but mm. if and and for a lot of people that that is a stronger hold than the hold of like let's be friends with one another which you know presumably was a much stronger principle in a society of hunter gatherers for example because it's like you know fight yeah. with people over the rights for abortion and you're just going to be ostracized and Die alone I don't think there's a trade-off. I don't actually think there's a trade-off between being getting along and finding truth here. I think I think these synthesis positions are more true because they're in, they're integrating more of what is true of what's going on. They it's actually a more full picture. Yeah, I don't know. Again, and maybe, to think of maybe this is a good mm -hmm. segue to the next the next tool and that and it will give you a better sense of because it mm -hmm. is true that over time a fetus becomes more human and as someone who's been pro-choice my entire life that is something i hadn't fully acknowledged mm -hmm. in my position and so i i actually i don't think there's a trade-off here there might be a trade-off between the comfortable identity i've always had that's very well defined and that you know, maybe I even inherited from my parents or how I grew up or something like that. There's a trade-off between that and then, you know, kind of creating something new, an identity that hasn't existed. That might feel a little bit uncomfortable, but I, mm. I don't think that there's a trade-off with truth. Well, I, I think, and yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear the, the second tool too. I'll just say like looking back at the, the COVID response, for example, it's, you know the the fact is that um, if you wanted to describe uh, the flight of a ball, if you're playing ball with somebody, just passing a ball around, you could do that in terms of physics. But it's it's going to be after the fact and not at all relevant to the moment when you're playing the game, right? So in that sense, during the taking the position of being in the center during the COVID response. Um, would mean that you all agree to take course which later on during post-mortem would very likely be found to be not ideal, which is the case anyway, right? This is the point. Like people who were so sure of themselves, uh, we still have no idea what a good response would have been. Zero cases, look at China right now. Um, zero cases, look at New Zealand and the cost that they pay. Um, denial, look at Brazil, I don't know, and some other countries that went down that route. Uh, complete, <laughs> complete chaos is almost America, considering that it was state by state and there's no coherent response. And it's like complete confusion, look at America. And then in the yeah. end, it's, it's really, there is not even one country, I think, maybe, I don't know, that's universally accepted as having done the right thing, which is actually a case, again, to for integration because yes, this would have meant say. that from the In beginning. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Under circumstances of uncertainty, all the more reason, right, to integrate the kernels of insight no matter where they come from. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, but 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 there wouldn't have been. It's it's not guaranteed that that the result would have been better. But what is guaranteed but, 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 and is exactly. worth, and what and is, is, and worth what is it is is integration of society. Yeah, it's more. Um, I, I think all we can say is directionally. Well, I, there's. I mean, this is a whole nother. This is a whole nother topic that maybe we can, maybe we can go back to this after this second mm -hmm. tool when we sure. go back to truth 
mm-hmm. because this seems more germane to our conversation about truth, right? Yeah, yeah. But um, but yeah, I would say yeah, exactly what you said. Under circumstances of uncertainty, all the more reason to integrate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think this will make okay. So the second tool is something that I'm calling an integral matrix. <laughs> okay, so are you ready to get nerdy? Okay, so what is an integral matrix? So I'm gonna um. Yeah, I'm going to take a couple of minutes to introduce this. And I'm going to start with a simple example, and then we'll extrapolate from there. And the example is not Michael Jackson this time, <laughs> but leadership. So, so leadership. So every couple months, the Harvard Business Review, you know, comes out with an article that's like the top 10 qualities of being a good leader, as if there's one way to be a good leader. Right. And a few years ago, uh, um, an emotional intelligence expert named Daniel Goleman, Daniel Goleman, uh, did something that I thought was really brilliant, where he inter- he interviewed hundreds of leaders, and he identified six different leadership styles. Okay, so commanding, visionary, affiliative, democratic, pace setting, and coaching. You don't have to remember all of them. And the map is not the territory. It's not like these are the six and the only six. This is this is just a framework. And so just to give you a sense of, of, of three of them, so commanding, demands immediate compliance, right? Visionary, mobilizes people towards a vision. Um, affiliative, creates harmony and builds emotional bonds. So what, and what Daniel Goleman did is he identified the circumstances in which each style is effective. So commanding is really helpful in a crisis, right? Mm. To kickstart a turnaround or with problem employees. Visionary is really helpful when, changes require a new vision, right? Or, or when a new direction is needed. Affiliative is really helpful to heal rifts on a team or, or motivate people in stressful circumstances. So he's identifying the circumstances in which each leadership style works best, which is already integral to me. It's like under what mm. circumstances, it's not that there's one way that's right and the other way is wrong, it's they work in different circumstances. But he went even further and he identified each leadership style's impact on the organizational climate. So commanding, surprise, surprise, is really negative, right? Because people don't love to be commanded. It doesn't feel that Mm. good. Visionary is the most strongly positive because it does feel really good to mobilize, to come together around a new shared vision. Affiliative is positive because, you know, it feels good to heal rifts and, and get along. And so, and so, yeah, and so it's not that commanding is always bad and visionary is always good. Different circumstances call for different leadership styles, but some leadership styles are more enjoyable than others. So if we're in a crisis, I can tell my team, yo team, I'm going to shift into hard ass mode for a second in order to get us out of this crisis and into a different Mm -hmm. circumstance so I don't have to be a hard ass anymore, right? I I use, we use commanding to get us out of the situation so that we don't need to use commanding anymore. Like we use the less desirable tools in a way that makes us not need to use them anymore. And so posed as a question, we could ask, you know, under what circumstances, if any, should we use X strategy, whatever strategies we're talking about, in order to achieve our goal? And there might be not, there might be no circumstances. We might say slavery, no, under no circumstances, factory farming, under no, I, I don't know, you know, there might be some that we just say under zero circumstances. But for the most part, we can probably identify the circumstances mm-hmm. under which they make sense and identify the ones that we would rather use more of the time. And, and Daniel Goleman didn't intend, you know, to create this matrix as a, as a template for, you know, what I would say is, is like integral strategy, integrating different strategies for achieving the, the same goal. But I would call it, it is kind of a template for, you can use it as an integral matrix because it integrates different strategies for achieving a goal into one, we could even call it a meta strategy. And once you see the matrix, if you can imagine it in your mind, kind of in this way, and once you see the matrix in this way, har har, you, you start to see it everywhere, right? You start, it's like energy sources, under what circumstances, if any, mm-hmm. does it make sense to use coal, nuclear, solar, wind, currencies, under what circumstances, fiat money, local currency, time banking, 
you know, bartering, cryptocurrency. I would even say economic systems, under what circumstances, communism, socialism. I mean, that might sound insane, but once, you know, you can think about, we've given birth to so many ways of doing things and thank God, right? We have a cornucopia of so many ways of doing things. And so, yeah, I think it's, it's less of like this way, right, this way, wrong. Again, there are some ways we can just decide to leave off the table forever and ever. But for the most part, the question would be under what circumstances to use which ones in order to, you know, have the most fun together as we go through this game that is hopefully becoming more infinite based on the strategies that we've chosen. Yeah. 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 No, I, I think that, um, yeah, it connects with the, with the first idea or the tool of the Venn diagrams in the sense that, um, you know, context inviting more context is, uh, is a, a net good for yourself as a person and for society, right? You don't want to shut out more context because it's not nice for you to hear about it or whatever. Now you want uh-huh. to be able to actually take it in and work with it. And I think that's what it is. Um, yeah, you know, to be a good philosopher, if somebody asks you if this thing is good, you should always answer depends, right? Uh-huh. And this this is, in, in fact, part of the concept of good, which is a relation between two things so Mm -hmm. it depends Uh, a knife is good for cutting a knife is not good for eating so a knife is good (laughs) and bad for different things at at the same time Uh, which tells you that the goodness is not inherent to the knife right Mm -hmm. and just in this way the goodness is not inherent to a leader type or or uh, or uh, an uh, an economy, a type of economy, right? An economic system. And actually, I was just, for some reason, thinking about it today, the history of my kibbutz where I grew up, which started as a communist village, started by young people that are around 20 years old and and built uh, an oasis. And it turned out to be the perfect economic system for a society without many resources um, because it gave all of them the camaraderie that they needed, the feeling that each one of them is going to be taken care of should something uh, does happen. It was very clear to everyone that they're going to support one another. As the kibbutz became very successful and they started a successful factory that started to make them money, now you had a new phenomenon of within this economic system. You had mm. exactly what you saw at, at, at a large scale in, let's say, the, the USSR. Um, you see it, it, on a larger scale, it starts to happen. Well, first of all, there are people that through kind of um, inner politics do rise to positions of power and are able mm. to have access to things that are not accessible to other people. This was less of a problem in a little village. But the more present problem was um, the slackers, right? The the freeloaders, mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. it's um, it's 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 all the resources are pulled. You never get a bill that's on your name. Right. So, right. You know. So I remember my uh, dad telling me, you know, seeing people of just like uh, seeing a little some water on the table that's left after dinner or something, and somebody taking a whole roll of toilet paper and just wiping with a bit because why not? It's not mine, oh, right? Oh, God. All the cars were shared, right? So it's like, yeah. of course, you're going to just uh, kick the gas too hard or something. You totally. don't care. It's not It's not on your tab. Um, and so with time, it mm. shifted. And today, it's a place where you get, you have your own tab, you pay, you have your own money, you have your bank account, and so on. And this is like absolutely more fitting for this day mm-hmm. and age. So I this is actually in the history of, of the place where I live and I think yeah. it's reflected. Now, the interesting thing is accounting for that, knowing that people did not approach it the way you did, but it was more in an uh-huh. intuitive way. It was just yeah. going there, you know? It evolved. Presumably more and more people suffered uh, yeah. from seeing the freeloaders doing their thing and, and yeah, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, it adopted. It adopted and hopefully, but often, but the history often is something like, you know, we come up with a way of doing things and we're like, this way is the right and always right way of doing things, you know? 
and then circumstances change. And so we have to come up with another way of doing things. And we're like, we're like, oh yeah, that way that we were doing before, that way is wrong. This way, this new way is the always right, forever right mm. way of doing things. And then circumstances change again. And we're like, yeah, that that previous one, that one, like this is the one. And, and after enough times of going through that, it's like, well, wait a second, I'm noticing a pattern here. Maybe this current way is not the always right and forever right way. It's just the way that we evolved in order to adapt to the current circumstances. And thank God we've given birth to so many ways of doing things because as circumstances change, we have this whole portfolio of ways of doing things in our back pocket that we can draw from and learn from and use. So, um, but yeah, it, it takes like a few cycles of that <laughs> probably. Yeah. 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 And I guess, I guess one of the last thing I anticipate us kind of coming on the, into some hard stop and being left with a lot to talk about at some point, but uh, I do want to ask, you know, it's like, do you, um, don't you feel like the kind of mental flexibility that you're talking about? Is it or is it not something that is available to, to all the population? Like, how do we go about ameliorating yeah. the, the flexibility that it does take? How do you actually assure people enough or reassure them that they're going to be fine even if they, as they step into, the, they step into this um, different framework and start making friends with their former enemies i mean i have my nerdy answer but i would be curious what you would say about this too like how do people come to the it depends place and i think one answer is after enough times of changing your mind or changing mm -hmm. your what i just described because people do that individually too after enough times of changing my mind it's like well, wait a second i guess my my way of thinking is evolving um so it's, you're in it's, good it, company it i'm not sure <laughs> It could happen through personal experience. My other kind of nerdy answer, and then I'm curious what you would say, is when you're committed in, to the goal of leading an organization, let's say, rather than the strategy, like a specific leadership style, like the one that mm -hmm. you're the best at, and that's why you want it, you know, everything is everything is a nail when you're a hammer. You know, if you're if when you're committed to the goal, and you realize that different ways of doing things are more conducive to achieving that. You know, if you're that committed to the goal, I think that I think that that can be very helpful because then you're less attached to the strategy and you're more open to what strategy at any given moment can help us achieve the goal. That's the thing that I actually really fundamentally care about. Yeah, That's a very yeah. Answer. Well, <laughs> yeah. What would you say? <laughs> no, it's a good one. I mean, I think for me living well which is the theme of this whole podcast you know definitely was a goal for me for a long time it's like if this is a goal i'm aiming at then um knowing the good and how the good is the fitting now i want to take fitting action that will lead me toward the goal right and mm, it wasn't mm -hmm. until after a while that i realized that the the framing itself of achieving goals is a bit problematic because you have a narrow focus and you have uh, a point you want to get to and then once you see that point and then once you do your calculations of how to get there you're going to be very very um possessive of that yeah, yeah. And, and you're going to be very possessive of that very convinced in your own way and you're actually going to be a lot more freaked out when somebody suggests an, yeah. an alternate route and so at some point i think that the whole framing of things as goals to be achieved changed in me to more of understanding it's the mode of doing things right it's it's yeah. the way not the destination it's well, like the yeah. the how I not mean, you can yeah, guess not what i'm going to say i'm going to say it's both I'm going to say it's both, but I'm going to true, say it's both. True, true. It's but, alternating. Um, yep. But I, but, but in terms of, I think part of what it even means to evolve consciousness and culture is to expand what you could, you could consider as your goal. I think the goal expands too. And that's, it's like once you, ex because the, I mean, even if we go back to the abortion um, example, it's like if I'm an integral perspective on abortion, would it, would it, if my goal, if initially my goal 
is about the sovereignty of the woman, right? Is a feminist and sovereignty of the woman and her body. But through an integral perspective, I'm able to actually also care about the fetus or care about the states. And I have expanded my, my understanding of what the goal even is. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and so, and so there's a way in which they maybe co-evolve, which is whatever, like very meta. Yeah. But yeah, there's a way in I, which my goal too can also expand. Yeah, no, I, I agree because if you talk with me still in speech, I would tell you that my goal in life or the purpose of life, if, if somebody would insist on on framing it like that, I would say the, the, the purpose is to live well and I wouldn't be speaking in terms of, of uh, the mode of living, even though living well, so I initially... If, if I got to any point where I see living well as a mode of being, it's because I first went through the checkpoint of, you know, yeah. seeing it as a goal, right? That yeah. presented itself as an object then, which was an yes. object I thought, which when I thought about it became, I, uh, there came the understanding that it's a mode of being. So yeah. absolutely. And yeah, it's, it's alternating freely, like oscillating between different yes. points of view and um, I was struck by, uh, f- now it's going to be the fifth podcast in a row or sixth or seventh, who knows that I'm going to mention Ian McGilchrist and his, oh. um, the matter with things. Yeah. But yeah. Um, this book made me think about the fact that, you know, we have two eyes that create depth. And um, what is depth? Is What is it exactly? It's just this emergent thing that comes from us having two perspectives. And I think it's the same when you consider the that. two different hemispheres and their, mm-hmm. uh, their um, different skills of looking at the world. So from the left hemisphere that's very object-oriented, that looks to manipulate and analyze, um, you have that, you have the right hemisphere, which generally is more um, in flow is you're not distinct from the things around you and you work within things. And I think that the interplay there creates a so-called depth, which this is what we should build on. We should always oscillate and again, integrate these two perspectives so that mm-hmm. we might so that we might be able to as effortlessly as possible move through a terrain yeah. that's at once unknown and and uh, full of problems to solve yeah i love i love that i had never really thought about that i mean i know ian mcgilchrist's work but i never that having two perspectives is what allows us to see depth no, that's, that's awesome. me. That's not him. Oh, that's you. Oh, I love that. Well, I thank you, Ayal. I'm gonna quote you on that one. Um, and the and I guess the question could be asked. I mean, it's like, like, do, do we really have to go through all of those checkpoints? Can't we just get there? You know, it's like, I think the checkpoints are part of the rite of passage. Like, why do you want to get to 27 years right. old? You don't want to go through like eight and 16 mm. and 21. It's you know, it's. Like it, there, I think there's a way I, I, I would say we don't, I, I don't, I don't need to skip checkpoints, but I think we can go through them with less pain. I think we can go yeah. through them with less fighting and less pain. If we understand just even just the simple fact that we are all in a process of evolution, we're all works in progress. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, so being mindful of our time, if if mm. you did you want to have a few minutes, what do you want to like dedicate them to? Is it going to be the the yet unborn Twitter ideas <laughs> or is it going to be my reflections on the last episode? Let's do your reflections because you wanted to get to that. So let's do that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't have like fully fledged ideas, uh, but I just wanted to tell you that I really appreciated the way you helped me kind of be more comfortable with meeting truth in the world that's not uh posited in these like logical verbal kind of ways and more really recognizing elegance in things and be more trusting of 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 what it communicates basically that this is a place that um you know you know like i can feel 
comfortable with. But I did wonder at the same time, and I'm going to let you comment on that. And it's very interesting. Like Christianity is very interesting to me, for example, because it's um, the whole um, theology of Christianity and the kind of doctrines that are in it are highly, highly symbolic. And this symbolism that kind of ties back the newer parts of the religion with older parts of other religions that other people, for example, know. So there is, um, for example, a connection, a symbolic connection between um, John the Baptist and uh, Prophet Elijah in the in the yeah. Old Testament, okay? And it ties back. I find this symbolism very charming like very 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 charming it's very aesthetically pleasing the kind of symbolism that tells you that everything has already happened in the past and so on and yet over there i think for a lot of people it seems truthful and then it really corroborates their initial notion that there's truth to that but within me I would be trying to really tell apart the kind of things that just look truthful but aren't from the things that look truthful and are. And I don't know if it's just going to be experience and therefore development of intuition or something else. Do you have a specific example? Um, Besides the... Yeah, so so I don't think there's been something that i that i actually struggled with but it's probably because i'm still more on the skeptic side that wouldn't wholeheartedly accept something if i if i saw it um because it's Mm. hard um as everybody who listened to the first episode know i wonder if i remember it (laughs) if it's Mm. (laughs) if it's yellow and grows by the water who is that? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, you have a good memory. Uh-huh. Yeah. The doctrine of signatures. Yeah, if it yellow, if it's yellow and it grows by water, it's probably a diuretic. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Okay, and so you're asking, um, t- how do you differentiate between yellow and grow by water, and it is a diuretic, and yellow and grow by water, and not a diuretic? Right. Like, how yeah. trusting should I okay. be? Yeah. Yeah. I mean. My, the response I'm going to, I mean, the response that's kind of coming to mind is going to, I don't know, it's going to sound really, I don't know what it's going to sound like, but here, let's just try it out. It's something like, it's the fractalicious nature of isness. It's, 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 if everything is connected, then there's even not such a hard distinction between us and what it is that we're trying to know, Right. Like mm-hmm. when you think about knowing, you we often think about like we're trying to know something out there, out there in the world that's not us. But but if you break it down in phys- you know, Ian McGilchrist terms, it's like where do I end and the world begins? Like we could even just call it the universe knowing itself. That doesn't really answer your question. Um, but I, yeah, something like I think to the extent that you are connected with the world around you and in dialogue and in relationship with the world around you, like if you're, you know, if it's yellow and grows by water, like do you hike often in that same place? Do you have a relationship with that place and those plants? Are you using those plants as medicines in your home? Are you in touch with them? And are you pruning them or admiring them or talking about them? I think to the extent that we have a relationship with what we are trying to know, I think that for like opens up more the possibility of knowing it in an easier and more intuitive way because we're in touch with it. We're in dialogue with it. You know, it's, mm. it's hard for me to know, let's say like just know intuitively what's going on with COVID in India or so, I don't know, something that I just like, I really don't have a relationship with. Whereas what's going on with the floods in California, I'm, I'm, I'm really experiencing that. Um, right. That might not be yeah, well, very well, I think, I think, I think I, I think I do have uh, a real life example of this actually, which is okay. something that I, I think I did get better at over time, which is, saying yes or saying no to potential gigs that they have, right? Oh, so uh-huh. 
because they could be very different from one another. It could be a, a day trip for me to guide, or it could be a week with people, and it can be at a certain time of year. And sometimes I have to go away and not sleep at my house, and sometimes uh, I do, and so on. You know, and there's not a good answer. And, you know, there's a question of like, yeah, I need the money, but is it worth the kind of... uh the kind of energy that I'm going to experience? Is it going to deplete me? Is it going to uh, rejuvenate me? And all these factors. And I feel like that is one uh, area of life where I did develop over time a pretty good sense of what you should say yes to and what you should say no to. And I think the the way to kind of um, judge how well you're doing is well, Am I thinking a lot about the jobs that I didn't take or that I did take? Do I, um, you know, do I ruminate about uh, the 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 bad choices that I made or something? And I think overall, I got to a point where it's more or less free flowing and free of friction. So I guess that, yeah. that would that qualify as like an area of life where this applies because you have to take into account all these variables. And again, th- speaking of goal, like in the end, try to do what's the most likely to keep you sane and happy. And Yeah. Although this seems more like it's less that you're trying to kind of know some truth out there. Although I guess that there is a truth to whether you felt energized or depleted after right. one of these experiences. But um, yeah, this could be, I mean, I, if I were to give an example, try to give an example, um, I, I, I often think about it in terms of trying to know the earth and trying to understand, let's say, climate. Um, Mm. And I have this sense that there are easier, lower maintenance ways of knowing. It's like, do we, like whatever we've learned from ice cores in Antarctica, could we have learned that just from talking to farmers and gardeners across the country and have Mm. had a much more politically easier path? Maybe we didn't even have to call it, I mean, this might sound blasphemous, but maybe we didn't even have to call it anything. Maybe we could just call it like shit's going down in our gardens and farms and we need to do something about it. And everyone would be like, yeah, I can feel it. I can see that. It's a problem for me. Let's do something about it. You know, so there yeah. is a way that's our way of knowing affects. And I, and I, and the, and the, the, I mean, the last thing I'll add, I'll just add one more thing there. I think, I think loving, I don't know if we talked about this last time, but I think loving is a way of knowing. I think if I love my garden or I love my farm, I will behave in ways and I want to keep my farm going because it's been in my family for generations. Like I, it's like what I will derive from that as far as knowledge that moves me to act in certain ways. Uh, could be very much exactly what, what 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 we would consider climate action. And did we need to go through all of the like ice cores in Antarctica and calling it climate change and alienating half of the country and and and? You know, the way that we know really matters. <laughs> it really affects things. It really affects who feels like they can understand the problem. Even you know, like how many people even understand cli- climate science? You know, we're right. like, yeah, it's like most of us are outsourcing our epistemic faculties to the authorities we trust in that context anyway. You know, and there, I think there are ways we could know about that phenomenon just by, you know, going outside, like paying attention to the world around us hyper locally and, and, yeah. and keeping in touch with each other about, oh, that's going on there. This is going on here. Interesting. Huh. You know, so well, I, um, I, yeah, yeah, I remember that at least in Georgia they said, you know, plant your corn when the oak leaves are as big as your ear. So <laughs> yeah, and I thought nice. that was, you know, that's probably a kind of knowledge that was um, totally built over generations, and you know, you could probably measure humidity levels, temperature, etc. Yeah. But the, the, you know, the farmers had every interest to get it right with the most consistency. Totally. Yeah. (laughs) 
All right. Well, uh, this is, I guess, at every conversation now, we'll have 15 minutes where we go yeah. back to the first one. <laughs> um, Until the full conversation will just be going back yeah, to yeah. every other one. <laughs> um, well, that's it's how we'll know format. that it's... Yeah, the, the new format is... <laughs> where we ended last time. Um, no, this is great, Ayal. And I hope... Um, yeah, I uh, I know you have you have your free flowing way of deciding whether to take a gig, but I hope you show us around. <laughs> oh, I will. I hope. Yeah. Uh, that's an easy one. That's not even okay, hard. Okay, cool. Okay, cool. Yeah, Steph, really enjoyed this <laughs> yeah. one, and uh, until next time. Yeah, thank you, Ayal. And and I should I just I should also mention just one more thing is that the Institute for Cultural Evolution is going to be hiring. So. If what we talked about is interesting to you, um, please follow me on Twitter at Steph Leth and you'll hear about the positions as they open up, which will actually hopefully happen this week. So, and awesome. thank you. Thank you, Al. Yeah, thank dive. you so much. <laughs>